listening to A Brighter Future, powered by Ontario Virtual School, where we connect you with education and parenting experts on what you need to know when it comes to virtual learning. I'm Alicia Kuzner, and I've been a teacher both in the classroom and online for about eight years now. And today we'll be talking about mood and mindset. With me today to unpack this topic, we have Dwayne Matthews. He's an expert on the future of learning, he's a teacher, he's a parent, and he sits on the advisory board of OVS. So Dwayne, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks a bunch for for having me. I've just recently had a cup of espresso and now I am feeling great and I'm really looking forward to, to sinking my teeth into this topic. So your mood and mindset is good (laughs) to start off this (laughs) podcast. I love it. Okay, so let's jump into the fact of the day. Dwayne, do you have a fact for us today? So one of the facts that I wanted to talk about with mood and mindset really has to do with habit formation. And a lot of people don't necessarily know how they come up on habits. And so it's really interesting to know that The habit has three essential parts. And the first part is the cue, something that happens that cues you to let you know that you're about to do something, the routine, which is the thing that you do, and then the internal reward at the end. So think of your alarm clock goes off in the morning. You may find that as soon as your alarm clock goes off, you have about maybe 30 to 60 seconds to get to the bathroom. And that's a habit that you formed um, over time. I know it, it, it could be a number of different things that you may realize that right after when I do this, it might be your phone. Um, you know, you may get a message from your phone. If you look, depending on the phone that you have, you can see which app you go to next right after you check that message. Um, that also is a habit. The notification was a cue. The routine was the series of things that you did after. Um, and you know the reward might have been a small bit of dopamine because you thought somebody's looking for me and that made you feel really good. So what's really interesting about that fact is that you can control those habits and direct it and point it and that really gives you superpowers. So that's the fact of the day. Awesome. Yes, I find that habit and trying to understand our habits and control our habits makes us even better in terms of how we are productive and using our own mental superpowers because our whole life is full of habits, really. You're exactly right. I mean, it's it's one habit on top of the, the next. And the bad news is all your habits stay with you. Yeah. The bad ones that you've developed, um, they all stay. The good news is you can actually put new habits on top of the bad ones. Um, the other bad news is that you have to continuously keep on practicing those new habits so the bad ones don't reemerge. But it's uh, it's all good news because you can do a lot of different things with habits to help you really optimize or get you know really superpowers in certain areas, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that today as we we think about mindset and mood. So let's jump into our school success strategy of the day. Since we just talked about habits and the facts about habits, I now want to talk about mindfulness and identifying and realizing our habits and using mindfulness to overcome them. So for this school success strategy, I want to talk about when you are getting ready before school and you are trying to improve your mood 
what can we do? So before school, we determine or we label the mood that we are currently in. And I, I tell this to my students, I tell this to my friends, I tell this to my coworkers. Being mindful isn't necessarily meditating, right? It doesn't take a lot of effort. It's just being able to look inward and to label or identify what mood are you currently in. And that is all about observing yourself. Take a moment to observe your own behaviors, your own actions, your own feelings. And there's a lot of power in this. By observing your own emotions, you are taking control of yourself. And essentially, if you look at your body language and how you're holding yourself that day, because if you're not mindful, you could be slouched over, you could be um, really, really inward, and that reflects your mood and your mentality. And if you identify that you are not in a good mood, because we are all human, um, not a good mood being sad, anxious, frustrated, irritated, whatever it may be, communicate that before you act. And so one strategy that I tell my students is just don't be afraid to let me know as your teacher or let your boss know or your parent know how you are feeling. Communicate that. And as the receiver of those emotions, when someone comes to you and tries to tell you how they're feeling or what their mood and mindset is of that day, don't undermine it. Don't say, oh, you're fine. Just get better. Or don't throw it under the rug. Address it. Say, that's fine. You know, I validate your feelings. That is totally understandable. You are human. You have the right to feel sad or anxious or frustrated or whatever is going on in your life. You don't have to explain to me why you feel that way. I just, as someone who you are telling, I will acknowledge this and validate that concern. Yes. Okay. You are feeling anxious and that is fine. So when you communicate that you are sharing with the world that, you know, this is how I am. This is me today. And I'm sorry, but I'm human, but this is how it is. And that way people can work with you in that frame of mind, especially with virtual learning. If you are communicating over um, Zoom or FaceTime or whatever, whatever your teacher is using to teach you with, it's hard to read body language on with online learning. So expressing yourself and verbally identifying how you feel, I think is important. What do you think, Dwayne? I think it's very important. One of the things that, you know, I, I, I say to my son and I will say to my daughter when she's a little bit older is really to have a habit of being mindful when you wake up. And, and mindful is, is really just about bringing your attention to the present moment. And that could be for a few seconds. It could be for a minute. You could do it for five to 10 minutes but just sort of getting up and bringing your attention, right? So much like you said, how do you feel? Um, just being aware of where you're sitting, being aware of how you're moving in that morning, but being really, really focused on where is my attention and how do I control my attention and direct my attention? And to do that with no evaluation. So not to judge where your attention is, um, not to say it should be here, but to do that with no evaluation. One of the great ways to do that is to just pay attention to your breathing. Paying attention to your breath sort of centers the mind. It, it actually brings a, a lot of oxygen and resources to the prefrontal cortex and allows you to, to calm right down. And so I, I think it's really important, an important way to start today. And as we learn more and as our society gets more information driven, this is going to become a critical skill for you to be able to slice through 
the information for school, slice through the information of life, um, and to, to really thrive. So I think mindfulness is going to become extremely important if it's not already so. It's going to increase in importance, and I think it's a great skill to start practicing now because it really helps in terms of how you perform. Yep. And especially as we get out of COVID and start to get back into our large group gatherings, which can be a trigger for some people who are anxious, um, or even if you've gotten used to working from home and being alone, and now you're in big crowds with a lot of energy and a lot of emotion around you and just a lot of stimulant, um, mindfulness is a great way to, like you said, center yourself. For me personally, I have a difficult time focusing on my breathing. It's just um, something that I have a hard time recognizing, I guess. So one strategy that I used when I was a teacher and there was just so much chaos going on, you know, this is generally in the morning when you had the before school programs. There's just a lot of energy, a lot of going on. Everyone's trying to, you know, get themselves going for the day. And it was just really overwhelming for me. I actually had a little Lego block that I would keep in my pocket. And I would just like, as I walked around, just like feel this Lego block in my pocket. And for me, moving that Lego block within my fingers helped me redirect my focus, center myself, and it worked. So for me, it was a Lego block. For you, it could be something else. But just discovering these little things on what works for you. So some other strategies could be listening to music. Um, A lot of my teenagers do that. I don't stop them. They come into class, they have their headphones on. I don't tell them to take the headphones off until I'm ready to start my class because that's them centering themselves. I don't know what they went through first thing in the morning. I don't know what the home life is like. I don't know what their travel or their commute to school was like. So I'm letting my students listen to their music before I start class. Um, Could be going for a walk, stimulating yourself right in that way. A mindfulness moment. So that could be praying if you pray in the morning, or it could be smudging if you are indigenous, or if you're not religious or spiritual at all, it could just be taking that moment to sit in silence with your coffee and centering yourself. Um, And if you're a teen, don't be so hard on yourself when it comes to you in that moment of your life. You're a teenager, you are going through so many different changes that are totally uncontrollable. And you're going to be feeling emotions for what seems to be no reason at all. Like when I was a teenager, I would walk into class and sometimes just cry. (laughs) My teacher would look at me and say, are you good? And I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just need to calm myself or take a moment. And I think that is just something that is normal and something that we just have to recognize, not be hard on ourselves. Okay, so let us now jump into the tools for our tool belt, Dwayne. We're talking about mindfulness. We're talking about not judging ourselves and trying to be mindful. So what is an actual tool that we can add to our tool belt about mindfulness? So there are a couple of really interesting ways to do this. And so like you mentioned, some people, um, they find it easy to, to sit still and to follow their breath. Some people have a difficult time with it. One of the things that you can do is to use certain types of guided visualization for yourself. Um, one of the ones that I use with, with students is I say to smell the strawberries and blow out the candles. And just going through the process of visualizing what the strawberries smell like and pulling that in, even if you you can't really get it, but the fact of thinking I'm trying to smell the strawberries 
So I'm taking a breath in and I'm trying to blow out the candles. I'm breathing a breath out. So you're aware of that sensation of air going in and air coming out. And as you're doing that, you're trying to get a sense of, is the air hot going in? Is it cold going in? Is it hot going out? Is it cold going out? And as you go through that process of smelling the strawberries and blowing out the candles, that rhythm will get you into a mindful state. Now, another thing that you can do is you can get apps to help you with mindfulness. Um, you know, you may or may not have wearables. I wear an Apple Watch and there's a mindfulness app on there. And that mindfulness app, it'll give me a cue and say, hey, you, you, you may want to try this. I press a button and it will take me through very quickly a one-minute mindful moment. Um, there are other apps as well. There was a there's an app called Reverie. And Reverie is out of Stanford University. And it's it's a really interesting app on self-hypnosis. Um, there's a professor that takes you through a series of, of exercises to help you to refocus and, and to calm the mind. So if it's something that you can't get to on your own or you don't feel that you can get to on your own, sometimes what really helps is a short guided um, directive or protocol that really helps you to, to come to that place. And the interesting thing about mindfulness is, you know, some people are like, do I have to visualize something? Do I have to see something? I don't see anything when I'm thinking about it. It really just is the act of being present and breathing that actually slows down and makes you pay attention to everything. And that is, or has an exceptional um, experience for the prefrontal cortex and really keeps you very calm and brings you that back to that calm moment and allows you to process the information that you're about to process, particularly from a place of, of an observer, um, which is really helpful for you to keep your composure. And composure, as we know, is helpful for attention and selective and sustained attention is really helpful to perform well in whatever it is that you're doing. So that would be my tool belt. The two that I would go for, A, um, go through and do it your own, smell the strawberries, blow out the candles, right? It's pretty simple. You wake up in the morning, think I'm going to smell the strawberries and blow out the candles. Um, or, or B, you get an app that you can use. If you have a wearable, you can get the mindfulness app um, on the wearable. If not, you can download the Reverie app. Um, the initial parts, it's free and there is no upsell for the first five ones. So it, it's pretty good that way. Um, and that will take you through a process to guide you to a more calm state. And, and there's lots of other apps that you could use, but those are the two that that I particularly use um, and, and I find really helpful. Yeah, I think those are great apps. Another app I was thinking of is, um, I mean, I'm an iPhone person, so I have an Apple Watch and there is a Breathe app that's built right in and it just kind of vibrates on your wrist to remind you to breathe. And then there's this circle that just gets larger slowly and then smaller slowly. And so you're supposed to match your breath to that um, opening and closing of the circle, which is nice because, it, you know, you have the visual component, you have the slight vibration on your wrist. There's so many apps out there. So whatever device you have, there is definitely one for it. And one of the other things that I want to mention is, you know, a, a lot of times with mindfulness, it, it might sound, uh, you know, a bit pseudo-ish or whatever, but there is a lot of research that is coming out of, uh, you know, Harvard University, uh, Massachusetts, um, 
a, a lot of research around the effects of mindfulness, around the effects of bringing your attention. So a lot of it is evidence-based um, and evidence-based by extremely reputable um, institutions and researchers. So, you know, if you're a person that really wants to get into the science of this, I would suggest that you, you know, you go down that rabbit hole. There's probably about 400 different papers that you can find, um, but really interesting stuff on, you know, how mindfulness works for athletes and for higher performers and for, for students that really want to do well um, and, and the different ways that you can use to engage that. So I would really encourage students to, even if you just set aside one to five minutes every morning, right when you wake up, just to have a short mindful moment, um, I'm, I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet that you start to see really good results after about four weeks um, and you're probably going to want to continue. So try it out, um, smell the strawberries, blow out the candles or use uh, any one of the apps of your choice and uh, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. For our elective course spotlight, I wanted to highlight a course that I feel like is very relevant in today's society. It's World Indigenous Issues. The course code is called NDW4M. Now, I did develop this course. However, I feel like it's important to mention that I myself am not Indigenous. I, though, have a background in Indigenous education where I have specialized both at Trent University in my undergrad and Queen's University currently doing my master's in Indigenous education. So when developing this course, it's important to mention that I do not talk about spirituality or very specific cultural aspects of individual Indigenous cultures around the world, but rather with my professors and all the resources, I have gathered a series of case studies, different Indigenous groups around the world currently, and the problems that they are facing and the resilience that is evident in how they're overcoming these struggles and these issues with colonialism, with health, with climate change. There's many different areas that we cover. In this course, students also examine global issues from the perspective of Indigenous peoples, and they investigate topics such as identity, social justice, human rights, cultural differences, resilience, and advocacy for change. We also do this through analyzing case studies and handouts and firsthand accounts of different Indigenous peoples and what they have faced. Students will also draw on the in-depth and diversity of Indigenous cultures. We try to get away from this whole idea of pan-Indigenism. We can just say Indigenous groups and we people tend to clump them all into one identity and that is not the case. So really it draws on all the individualism of individual cultures around the world and how the world has adapted to them, how they have adapted to different events that are taking place currently and in the past. And we also look at different social and economic challenges that are being faced around the world. If you're interested in checking out this course, you can go to ontariovirtualschool.ca. You can click courses. And if you type in NDW4M, that is the course and it will pop up and you can watch a demo lesson to see what it's all about and if it's something that you are interested in taking. 
Well, I think that is all the time we have for today. I know Dwayne and I, we could always keep diving into these different discussions. There's so much to talk about with mood and mindset. Thank you again, Dwayne, for the great conversation. If you would like to have a copy of this segment and the tools that we discussed, you should go to www.ontariovirtualschool.ca forward slash podcast and all the information is there. For more resources or support, visit ontariovirtualschool.ca or find us on social media at Ontario Virtual School. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and join us next time for another episode of Brighter Future, powered by OVS.